Hello, and welcome to the Let's Learn with Wisconsin ASCD podcast. I am Rob Meyer, proudly serving as president of Wisconsin ASCD. The goal of this podcast is to keep educators informed so that they can provide the best educational opportunities possible to the students they serve. So thanks for being on this journey with us. Before we get to today's interview, I invite you to view WASCD.org for professional development opportunities. If you are not already a member, please consider becoming one. We offer a $49 annual membership that provides you with discounted professional learning opportunities. Perhaps more importantly, you know that you are supporting our advocacy efforts on behalf of the students we all serve. Today, we are joined by educator, author, and sought-after consultant, Dr. John Hannigan. John has authored a number of books around social-emotional learning and behavior support in schools. He currently serves as a consultant helping schools ensure that systems are in place so that every student can succeed socially and academically. In the interview, he will be discussing the second edition of Don't Suspend Me, an Alternative Discipline Toolkit. This book focuses on the why and the how behind using alternative practices to student removal from the school setting. In addition, the book truly is a toolkit full of examples to get started with the work. Okay, it's time to get started. So, let's learn with Dr. John Hannigan. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, all right. We're here today to talk about Don't Suspend Me, an alternative discipline toolkit. But before that, uh, John Hannigan again joining us today. John, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and experiences in education, uh, and then we'll get to the book and, and, and the writing behind that book. Sure. I've been in education for over 20 years, started out in the classroom, and then uh, moved, uh, transitioned from the classroom to be become a curriculum coach, teach uh, like a teacher coach. And then my first admin position was a VP at a middle school with 1,900 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And so that's where I got my first share of discipline. And so my record was <laughs> 911 three times in one day at that middle school. But that's where, that's where uh, I guess the, I'm using air quotes in the way that I was raised in, in handling discipline practices. And that's where we had that very traditional handbook where, you know, student does this once, suspension for three days, they do it again, five-day suspension, third time is a recommendation for expulsion. So that was kind of the world that I was raised in around discipline. And so it wasn't until I, I became a principal at my own school, and that's kind of where this work started. Two students got in a fight, and so calling home to send them home because that's what I knew and that's what we do. And so as I was calling their parents to get them, get them going for the next three days because they were on a suspension, I saw them, they were exchanging their Xbox online game <laughs> codes. And so that's where this work started. I didn't know at that point what I was going to do. I just knew that I was not going to be sending them home for three days to play Xbox. And so uh, so yeah, that's where Don't Suspend Me started, those two kids that got in a fight. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to be talking again about Don't Suspend Me, but yeah. maybe talk a little bit about the work that you do now, because you're author of uh, several books. Yeah. Uh, Behavior Solutions is pretty uh, hot in schools right now, mm -hmm. as well as Don't Suspend Me. So what do you spend your time doing uh, right now in supporting schools? Yeah, really just all things all things behavior. And so Behavior Solutions is, is really aligned to the RTI at Work framework. Um, 
that, that the way that we respond when students don't learn academically in tier one, tier two, tier three, and applying those same principles and practices to support students behaviorally. And so it's really that behavioral RTI approach as well. And so creating systematic processes to support students behaviorally. Um, and then also with uh, don't suspend me on alternatives to suspension with the kind of those restorative practices and, and also, you know, targeted skills based on, um, you know, social, emotional learning competencies, competencies <laughs> and so forth. So basically seeing behavior as a way to teach. So getting to getting to don't suspend me an alternative discipline toolkit. You talked about your kind of rationale for writing that was as a as a principal mm -hmm. suspension not working. Correct. Right. So what are people going to find if, if they have the opportunity <clears throat> to read or utilize uh, the book? So what we what we took so in in training in training schools and districts what we'd see a lot of was yeah no this all sounds great in theory but then. I go back to my campus and a student vandalized the bathroom or two students got in a fight or major disrespect to a teacher, things like that. And then it's like, okay, now they're in my office. Now what? Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to provide that now what? And so what we took were the, the 14 most suspendable offenses and really gave you tools to use as a now what? So following the framework of what we, what we use is it needs to include each of these three needs to be restorative, reflective, and instructional. It needs to include each of those components. And nothing against restorative practices. I'm a huge advocate for restorative practices, but I'm working with schools. You know, I've, I had a teacher come up to me and say, what if this is the eighth time this kid said F you? <laughs> How many more times can you restore? And it's like, mm -hmm. you know what, you're right. There does need to be that repair, but, but what do we also utilize to teach and ensure that students have an opportunity to reflect on the decisions that they've made that have put them in this situation through scenarios, role-playing, whatever the case may be, so that they can, they can, you know, reflect on the, the choices that they've made that have put them in the situation. And then also the instructional component, which is really critical. That's the teaching. So through that teaching to make it targeted, we need to look at what's the function of their behavior. Why are they engaging in this behavior in the first place? So that then we can teach, give them the skills and the tools so that they don't re-engage in those behaviors again. And so, so that's where you do need that repair, but restoring isn't the only, and that's why through our framework, we, we noticed that it needed to have each of the three. It has to have one of, one of, one of each restorative reflective instruction. I'm going to ask you for an example in a moment, yeah. but one of the things, John, in some training I've uh, experienced with you before and in mm -hmm. reading the book, uh, the book is called Don't Suspend Me, an Alternative Discipline Toolkit, but I think you acknowledge at some points there are suspendable offenses or we do have laws or di you know different things in Correct. different states that say you know a student is suspended for this or it's severe enough um, that that's warranted, but then in tandem with that, we still need the restorative reflective instructional. Would you say that's true? Correct. Yeah. And so that's where, although, it, yes, it is called don't suspend me, but it's not for, for no circumstances. Will you not suspend for any reason? And so there will be times that, uh, that a student does need to, does need to go. Um, but if that's all I've done, I've really done nothing to solve that problem mm -hmm. or to prevent it from repeating. And so, you know, okay, you want to send that kid home for three days? Fine. 
But if that's all you've done to change behavior, if that student is returning to your campus, you've actually done nothing to solve that problem. And so as what we've then found are then as that student returns after that suspension, then they go through the alternative framework. And then it's like, well, why couldn't I have just kept them in the learning environment, mm -hmm. taken away all of their privileges? Again, we're not saying that there's no consequences for, for misbehavior, <clears throat> but we use their incident as an opportunity to teach and change their behavior. And so then they will slowly start to earn their privileges back as they complete their alternative discipline contract. Some of their alternative discipline will take sometimes 10 days, like two weeks, you know, three weeks, depending on what that incident sure. is. We're two days into it. The kid's just begging you, just please send me home. Don't make me do any of this stuff, you know. And so uh, it, this is the more painful experience for the student instead of go home, play Xbox for three days and come back. And so that's where sometimes the misconception is don't suspend me means no more consequences for misbehavior, where it's actually quite the opposite. It's this is more painful for a student to have to go through the alternative discipline contract. Not only more painful, right? Kids have to actually do something do instead something. of be passive, but exactly. it involves that instructional part too. So hopefully there's learning besides it's an, Absolutely. it's an out, right? A behavior is a way in out. Well, and then, and then the highest form of learning is to teach. And so they actually have to teach whether it's another classroom, whether it's mm -hmm. that teacher, that grade level, that department, the admin team, but there does need to be that form of teaching so that we are ensured that these behaviors will not repeat. And so what we've found is that our schools that do have zero suspensions, it doesn't mean that they have zero suspendable offenses. It just means that now we're using these incidents as an opportunity to teach and change. And what they find is that that recidivism, those repeated behaviors, not only are decreased, but it's at zero. So those students that go through the alternative framework do not reoffend. Could you give an example of, so pick, pick an offense that might happen, John, whatever on the top of your head, uh, what would that restorative reflective instructional look like? So a, a little elevator speech on an example. Yeah. So, um, so let's say, let's say the fight, these two boys, they got in a fight, um, because they both wanted to be quarterback. Um, you know, so in finding out that they, you know, had more similarities than differences through that restorative piece, they, uh, we had them ask each other 20 questions about the other and present that back to me. What that showed then was, uh, you know, getting to know each other at a deeper level and that they have more in common than differences. Got that from Remember the Titans, actually, by the way. <laughs> excellent movie. That like, might show my age, but yeah, so excellent movie. Like, so all these ideas come from some good movies, too. Um, and then, and then they had to go through several sessions of hands-off Academy, which is a, a reteaching. So that would be that instructional component of how to resolve conflict peacefully. Um, you know, what to do instead, if you get upset. And so that instructional piece is giving them the skills, um, then through that reflection, uh, giving them scenarios or role-playing as far as what to do when, what would be the right way, what would be the wrong way, so that they're they're able to demonstrate that they understand, uh, you know, other other ways to resolve conflict through different scenarios instead of like, what should you have done differently, where it feels, you know, maybe that they're being attacked. Um, through that restorative component, again, so that second component, as opposed to then the questioning of each other and getting to know each other at a more deeper level, 
they had to they had to provide a form of restitution where they have to give back. And through that was they had to research the rules of football because they wanted to both be quarterbacks. That's where it happened was out at, out out in the field. And so then they had to present to the other sixth graders uh, the rules of football and what happens if you don't uh, demonstrate these rules. They had to uh, research in college if, if a student got in a fight or in the NFL or things like that, that you can't you can't use violence as a way of of uh, of resolving conflict. Mm-hmm. And they were able to then present those like what happens in the real world. So a lot of these are those real world kind of consequences and then using uh, using those experiences to to uh, to teach and learn, and then they, so then they, as part of that restitution, they had to referee um, for ten days, so two weeks of a school year, um, out at recess. Other students playing football, they couldn't participate, but as they started earning privileges back, they were referee refereeing and highlighting students that were showing character out at recess and things like that um, as they started earning the privileges back. So those would be. Which, if you think of then all of those things, when they lost their privileges for two weeks mm-hmm. to undergo this, as opposed to go home for three days, don't do that again. And I think then people can see, too, when we look at a whole system, not only is that those components there for student learning, but when we make that visible, then I think everybody in the system feels like the, the student still had a consequence Correct. for the behavior. It might just be a, a different looking consequence. Correct. Yeah, and that's where for an administrator, communication is, is critical. Um, cause if I don't communicate those consequences to my staff, to the teachers, to those that saw that and they're like, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. These kids are back on campus tomorrow after, after what they just did. And they may, they may then feel that now nothing is done about behavior anymore. Um, but when we do communicate, okay, They've lost privileges for two weeks. They're going to have to go through X, Y, Z as part of their alternative consequence. Mm-hmm. Do you have any input since you were impacted by this, uh, their behavior? Do you have anything that you feel that uh, is missing in this alternative discipline consequence that you would like to add that you think? Or do you feel that that's a fair consequence? But getting stakeholder input is critical. Otherwise, uh, they're going to have their own perceptions if we do not sure. communicate. And they'll, they'll, they'll connect those dots themselves which will always be nothing was done and now we're soft and nothing's being done about kids are getting away with murder and nothing's being done anymore. And again, that's that's about that perception. The visibility because that perception, if they don't understand or it's not been communicated right. is, right? People will make their own, write their own story. So the book is Don't Suspend Me, an Alternative Discipline Toolkit from Corwin, second edition. Second uh, what edition. was the difference between first and second edition? More tools? What was what was the big app? Yeah, we added we added about 30 more universal tools, so a whole section on universal tools. And so what we saw was we've got a, a pretty robust apology template, but the apology template in the first edition is in the um, the bullying suspendable offense for the for the alternative consequence. So what we didn't want to was for folks to think that that's the only place you can use the apology template. Sure. You know, the apology template uh, through the restorative phase could be used in probably almost every one of the 14 suspendable offenses. So it got us kind of thinking that uh, a lot of these tools are interchangeable. You can use them for, you know, for, for a variety of things. And so with the universal tools, we wanted to, to have some things that teachers could use. But some of the reflective, so we have like a, it's called the decision tree. 
so that students see that they're accountable for every decision that they make. So whatever that behavior is, that goes in the decision box. And then there's positive and negative consequences as a result of the choices that you make. And from the positive, what would be some of those positive consequences that can come from that? Under the negative, what would be some of those negative? And so that's a tool that you can use as part of that reflective piece for any different behavior. We've seen teachers using it, you know, since suspensions will typically fall on the administrator, mm -hmm. that we've seen teachers use some of these universal tools to be able to say, hey, here's how we can use uh, use these uh, to help help teach behavior on, in, in our classrooms as well. And if uh, listeners aren't familiar with with the book, one thing that I appreci really appreciate is the uh, there's about 50 pages that lay out the, the 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 structure, the intention, the rationale. Right? It's pretty concise, pretty clear. Uh, and then there's about 100 pages of tools. the actual tools yeah. that you can take and use. So it is it provides the information as well as real is really a, a resource book yep. that you can pull off the shelf, flip through in the moment find something that matches, tweak it maybe to what you need it to do. But there's a lot of ideas right there to make this actually happen versus just being conceptual. Exactly. So there's, like you said, a hundred pages of tools. So, so, you know, as we're, as we're, you know, working with schools, it's like, yeah, no, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I'm getting it. But then it's like, <laughs> something happens. I'm in my office. Now what? Mm -hmm. We wanted to take away that excuse of the, now what you got a hundred pages of tools for your now what? And so what we wanted to do was to first, get you to think differently in terms of discipline. And then what we've found is second is that then the schools will innovate and take off beyond what we have in the book. So the book isn't the everything, everything of all things you can, mm -hmm. the only things you can do. What we've seen is, uh, God, we had a cyberbullying incident at a high school and what they used as, as part of the instructional component. And a, I would probably call it part of a restitution as well. Um, that these this, there's a group of girls for cyberbullying. What they had to do is hold a parent information night, hmm. where they were they were telling teaching parents these are the ways that your children are misusing Snapchat, Instagram, all these things. Where the parents felt like they had the other team's playbook. Like, oh my god, <laughs> I had no idea that these things were happening. But it was such a powerful experience where they were saying uh, Instagram that your child gets cropped out and that's a form of bullying exclusion and it's called insta bullying these kids that that now you know we're posting it and you know that you were in the picture we have cropped you out of it now we're posting it with you excluded that's a form of bullying insta bullying we've seen uh through snapchat that uh that these students said go home and ask your child for their four digit pin number for the for your eyes only folder in snapchat parents were like give me your phone right now. <laughs> like what? They had no idea that these things were there. Um, and, and it was just such a powerful experience um, for both the parents and the students. And it, it, again, that recidivism they learned because they saw in the parents the hurt that these things are having on their own children and sure. how it carries into the home for parents as well. It's powerful. That is, that is powerful. And none of that's in the book. So what, like I'm saying, is that once you start <laughs> a, applying these principles, then you start seeing, okay, restorative, reflective, instructional, and you start innovating beyond what's even in the book. That's that's amazing. Thanks thanks for developing the the tool to uh, you and Jessica for for doing that. Uh, again, don't suspend me an alternative discipline toolkit through Corwin. Second edition came out in May, I believe, mm -hmm. second edition um, of 2022. 
Uh, before we close, John, for the day, a couple of final questions. But the first one being, uh, if people are interested in getting in contact with you, following your work, how would they how would they go about doing that? Uh, let's see. We've got a Facebook group that's about 10,000 strong. So Equity in School Discipline, that's the Hannigan group. So uh, follow us there. Share all the great things that y'all are doing or even on Twitter. Um, my handle's is uh, John Hannigan 75. Um, so you can reach out directly through through those those avenues as well. Great, thanks, John. Final final podcast questions. Get okay. to know a little bit about you okay. as a as a person. Yeah. Uh, so in relation to school, what was your favorite subject in school? Okay, okay. Well, let's go. I the worst subject was math until I had Mr. Brown in high school that that he made math easy. Okay. So much so that I got accepted into college as an electrical engineer until I took my first math class. And then I was like, I don't know, Mr. Brown, maybe, maybe, maybe this math thing uh, isn't so easy. So uh, it was math because of Mr. Brown. He made it so clear and easy, um, but only in high school. <laughs> so I'll say math. All right, know. excellent. Uh, when you're not engaged in your work, because uh, I know you, uh, I think the educational community knows you through uh, your work um, that, you're, that you're putting out there, your pre presentations, but what's your hobby? What are you doing when you're not working? I would say golf, but lately, lately it's been doing thousand piece puzzles with my six year old. You <laughs> <laughs> just sitting around the table, chatting and just doing a thousand piece puzzle with my six year old. Making connections. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, John. Who is someone you would like to celebrate and why? I want to make sure we leave the podcast with uh, somebody knowing they're doing a great job or recognizing somebody or a group of people. Yeah, man. I, 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 I don't want to make it so it sounds very uh, like a cop out, but I'd have to say mama. I'd have to say Jesse, my wife, my uh, my inspiration for the work that we do, my co-author, partner in crime. Uh, she she carries a lot with her. She works at the university and then also does a lot of the consulting stuff, too. So she's my hero. I'm just going to go ahead and celebrate mama. That's good. That's winning. Coming up on the holidays right here. That's 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 really good. And I'll make sure that uh, I forward this podcast to her when it's published and tell her to listen Very to the cool. last couple of minutes. Right. So <laughs> thanks cool. for your time, John, yeah, today. Thank uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to visit wascd.org to view our upcoming professional learning events. Have a great day, and remember, you have the power to do epic things for the students you serve.